Welcome to the Appalachian Timber Ghost Outdoor Adventures Podcast. We're going to talk hunting, fishing, and everything outdoors. So pull up a seat and enjoy our campfire stories. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for joining me today. It's much appreciated. Um, actually wanted to do this a little bit sooner than later, but uh, I did another one in my vehicle. And I really didn't want to go that route. I wanted to be, not that the audio was that awful, but I uh, just wanted to do a little bit better for you. So, we're wrapping it up here as far as spring turkey in New York State, as well as striper season. Um, very fortunate I was this year. Um, friend of mine owns a farm for the most part gave me permission to go out and I couldn't be happy with my results I've always talked about you know uh, if you've been listening to the podcast permissions losing hunting spots and especially for me the fact that I moved about an hour and a half from where I grew up. But I happened to make some friends up in the area I'm at in the northern Catskills. And I was lucky enough for Ted to give me permission to hunt where his hay farm is. So it's much appreciated for that. And uh, I had actually uh, hunted there in previous years when I first moved up here. Ted's a great guy. You know, he said, go for it. Um, but the thing with his farm is it's up on the mountains, the higher peaks of the Catskills, and his farm is very steep terrain. But there was a guy also hunting there besides myself. Um, so when I got in there in the morning, I saw the other vehicle. I went down to where I wanted to go. Really didn't do much uh, scouting of the area. But it ended up the birds were kind of in the corner where the guy was. Don't know if he ever got anything, but I didn't hear any gunshots that morning and a lot of goblin. Things had changed around the farm a little bit, and I was lucky enough to be the only one turkey hunting there. But funny enough, I, I called Ted the night before, and I said, hey, you mind if I turkey on over there? He goes, yeah, not a problem. You know, head on out. So I go the night before just to see maybe if I heard any gobblers or maybe even seeing birds leaving the fields and going into a certain part of the woods. But for years, as I've deer hunted up in that region, uh, I'd always see this gobbler coming out of the corner where the actually the guy years ago it was hunting so I had my plan I go there the night before but even like a couple hours before light tons of deer in the field I uh, didn't see any birds but I wanted to go down to scout a spot because I've I'd known in the past where I've gone to a spot that I wasn't you know really aware of where I was going and ends up being a nightmare of where you're sitting <laughs> so that's that's an issue 
But lo and behold, I just I wrapped it up. I you know I, I took my my losses and I was like I'm just gonna. I picked out a spot. I was gonna go there. And for the best part, try to navigate in the dark for the most part. Opening morning comes. I get to the spot. It takes a while, and it's all just very steep terrain. I'd have to say, God, at least a 45-degree um, field. And very, very, it's a long field. It's very deceiving from the road. Last year, I went probably halfway where I was going to go this year, and I knew it's a bear coming out. So I'm heading down the field, and because of the elevation, light you can start because you can see the horizon so far away that um, you're starting to get that little bit of like uh, twilight, crack at dawn for the for the roosters for the most part, where you know it's still dark, but at the same time they just know like somewhere that that light's cracking. I get about halfway down the field and all of a sudden these birds just start sounding off like crazy. Wasn't in the corner where I was going, but it was actually probably a couple hundred yards up, but still to the farthest point of the field. So I get down there. Um, I'm lucky enough to where... I set myself up to where if they did come to the field, they were probably going to come towards me. And lo and behold, like I said, Ted does hay. And there was this big round bale. And the best part is he must have had a, a round bale there earlier that he'd taken out. So it was a lot of like old hay from last year on the ground. Perfectly like flat. Um, wasn't going to be too noisy. A couple sticks that I had to move. But I, I get set up. And these birds are just, as I'm filming, they're just, they're sounding off. Uh, wish my video footage, I, I, I made a video on it. Um, people get the gist. It's good for my memory, you know, for memories, you know, for me to watch. But I had some issues. But... As far as the hunt goes, it was a fast and furious spring turkey hunt. I I get there and so I'm listening at this point. And personally myself, um, before I, I know the birds are going to come down, I like to actually give a couple of ye soft yelps. First off, if I don't know where they're at. Maybe, you know, it shock gob gobbles them. Or it gives them something to hone in on. So I do a couple soft yelps and I get a reaction. But then right after that, in between me and the gobblers, there's soft yelps from a hen. And I'm like, I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, game on. I was like, this... This could go either way. You know, she could walk the opposite way, take all the birds with them or with her. Uh, I've seen it a million times. You know, if you, if you turkey hunt for any amount of years, you've seen all these different scenarios play out. 
And a lot of times they're going to go with the real bird. They're not going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to head on over there where, you know, I heard a bird, but I actually see this female. I'm going to walk away from her. Um, but also it can work to the advantage where I have in the past where it brings the hen in and then the gobblers come to her. But the only problem I've always found is the first sets of eyes in the field are not going to be a gobbler where you're setting up to shoot that bird. You're trying to hide and keep alert for what's coming behind and not being on her radar. So I hear the fly down. I give some more yelps and a couple like excited cackles. Some people might listen to my call and be like, what the hell is that? But for years, you know what? I've gotten, I've brought birds in, I make them nutty, and that's all that counts, in my opinion. Now, I'm, not, I'm by no means going to you know, win a calling contest, but uh, from wherever I've developed over the years, it works, and I can bring them in pretty close. I, I myself like to hunt with my decoys not very far off from me, 15, 15 yards. So a lot of times I get birds in my lap, and depending on where I set them up, I get them really close because they might be behind me and coming in where my decoys are actually out in the field in front of me. So I get some caught, and all of a sudden I can tell, like, I'm like, they're coming. About three minutes into it, after the fly down, Three first-year juvenile birds come out, and I can see the little tufts on their chest, and they're all over my decoys. And like I said, probably 10 yards away. If you check out the video, the video is dark, um, but you can kind of get the sense of how close they were to me. Um, so I've made up the decision. I'm like, I'm not shooting any of them, you know? Um I've been doing this a long time. I do like to get my long beards, you know. Um, so I was thinking to myself, I hope that, that that's not the only birds I heard, you know. Um, for the most part, I was like, if this is the three birds that were gobbling at me, I, I said, no, it's it's over. I'm, I'm going to have to suck it up and walk out of here with no birds. Uh, about a minute later, <laughs> coming up the woods where they came from and now I can hear them I can hear them in the leaves so you know you take a gamble like to the left side of me it was open so if they were planning on staying in the woods and coming by me on the left I had a good shot but I was I was set up where the, the these jakes came out of the woods and I, I was playing it it was a 50 50 you know if they came to the left I was gonna have to swing and it turns into a wing shooting <laughs> ordeal but um I get set up where those jakes came through the with the wood line over the wall and uh I can hear them now they're real close and I'm like I think that they're gonna come in the field where those jakes did Two birds pop out, decent toms, but unfortunately, both of them are like together, like just together, where it's like you're not going to take the shot because first off, can't take two birds in New York State. 
Secondly, I don't want to wound the second bird. Um, but the whole time I had the corn in my eye before they, before they got into the field, I can see these jakes. And because they were on those decoys so quick, as Rut Daniels would say, something ain't right. <laughs> these birds knew, like, they were a little skittish at this point. They came in, like, you know, fast and furious, but now they're, they're in the field and they're like, okay, there's no action. These two things that we came to aren't moving. And I got these two birds together and I'm just like, oh, no, this, this might end up bad. But the first bird commits to the field. But because where I had my second camera set up, uh, I started to move the, my, my, my gun out into the field. The second bird, I can see him out of the corner of my eye. I haven't moved, committed my gun that far yet. But I'm, I'm thinking video's sake. I had a gun, uh, a, a camera mount on my gun. But as he takes a step out, now I've got some like prickers in the in the way, and not a lot. I mean, it was I could have shot through that and still got the bird, but because of video's sake, and I'd rather not do that. He steps out and doesn't quite get into the field, and all of a sudden he does that thing. You know, if you've seen turkeys where they start the necks up and down, in and out, and I'm reading the language of this bird, and I'm like. He's not digging this, and he's we're probably watching these three jakes, and all of a sudden he does an about face and just steps back a little bit, and I just made the quick decision to take him. Uh, I pile him right up, but all in all, it was like six minutes, probably the quickest I've ever knocked a bird down after they've hit the ground, for sure. Like you know, just it was an amazing hunt. It was awesome. I was psyched because I set up for video, but I did have like a new app on my one uh, camera for a wireless mic. And now, hindsight, I found out how I can adjust for brightness to to lighten it up. And it was very dark because I was sitting down the hole. The sun was coming up right in my face, even on my gun-mounted camera. Um, a lot of glare uh, wasn't great. And at one point when I did shoot, there was a leaf in the way. And uh, when I boom, all of a sudden, the camera moved. <laughs> so I didn't get any of the footage of him, like, dropping. Uh, I did have footage of the other birds, like, they, they you know, flew up into the air. Uh, I did keep recording because the crazy part about it was if I only had had a buddy with me, uh, it would have been awesome because two times, one came out of the woods after I shot him, like spooked him into the, into the, into the field. The other one that came out with him, and they're probably the same size as the one I got, which was an eight inch beard. There's a few strands of beard that were nine, but. Uh, I'm going with where the bulk of the, the meat of the beard was. and I, He was easy eight. Some Most people probably call him a nine. But um, if I only had a friend there, man, like we could have doubled down on it. Um, these birds hung out for a, quite a while after, and I filmed it. I have it on the, the video. 
I did edit a lot out because what am I going to sit there and video just birds chilling out for? But you get the gist in the video. Like, it was just amazing that they even hung around. And at such a close range. But um, I was thinking, this is great. They eventually did walk away. I poured myself a coffee. Um, and I was thinking, man, I'm going to get it to the, to the Hudson River for some striper fishing real, real early. But uh, just grateful for my friend Ted letting me hunt. Um, it's been a very stressful thing losing spots where I grew up and living so far away. Now the gas price, forget about it. Um, hunted cost me an arm and a leg. I think I talked about it during the ice fishing. You know, I was talking about the the price of gas. My <laughs> this guy Eric, I know, he's like, you know, the hell with this, man. I'm going fishing. I don't care if it costs me a hundred bucks. But uh, we're we're at that reality right now um, with the price of gas. But sad, sad news from the stripe world for me. <laughs> if you guys have been following me, listen, uh, I've been doing this for a long time. Do it in the right way and just have no luck with stripers to the point where I want to get a charter and just catch me one of these damn fish. <laughs> but... Uh, I, if like I said, if you follow me, I found a piece of land I can actually right on the side of the river. I have permission. Nobody's gonna mess with me. Um, last year I had some runs, no success, but we're moving forward. And I'm on a couple of these striper pages, man. <laughs> I'm just like people are slaying them. It's just ridiculous. And now I'm a couple couple weeks deep of heavy I've basically I sacrificed my trout fishing which I could have come around with a lot of footage from that uh, just but I'm so like obsessed with the stripers right now just want one put my hands I don't care if it's 12 inches but like I said we're they're still catching them but at this one point, I mean, everybody was just, you know, I'm even, they're putting numbers. I caught 12 today. I'm like, a friend of mine, Ted, uh, different Ted from the farmer, uh, just catching slobs, huge fish. And finally, he, he reaches out to me one day. He goes, did you break your streak yet? The streak being that I haven't caught a striper in over a decade. I'm going to say safely of doing this catch herring yeah i'm a professional at that and i think at this point i'm saving herring's lives by putting them on my hook <laughs> so uh that being said you know uh i just haven't i haven't gotten one so where we're at we're we're, we're more than the mid hudson at where I, I live um but from Rhinecliff up to the Troy Dam, just amazing striper fishing. Um, so my buddy Ted calls, and he says, man, he goes, I lost my spot. And when I lived down in Dutchess, we would go to uh, Rhinecliff. Great spot. He kept catching like crazy. Unfortunately, I had an awful accident. Um, still haven't heard the exact details, but from the rumor mill um 
a woman was killed walking with her husband, a dog, down side of the tracks. For years, Amtrak's been really great about not hassling fishermen. So it's allowed a lot of... You're talking 80 to 100 miles of fishing on the east side of the Hudson River. Because Amtrak owns it. Tracks are right off the side of the river. Um, only way you're fishing the shore is to access through their property. Or you, you, you launch from a boat either kayaking or you're on a fishing boat. So I guess the story was, I don't know if the dog was not on a leash, got away from the woman, um, goes to get the, 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 you know, trains coming, panics from what I'm gathering, goes to get the dog and gets hit by the train dead. Mother of two with husband, um, just an awful tragedy. But now on these Facebook pages that I'm on, uh, you're starting to hear about a lot of guys getting ticketed. Um, troopers aren't asking questions. Amtrak, you know, wanted them to enforce trespassing laws now. Uh, lots of guys getting ticketed. I mean, no, no questions asked. Just here you go. Have a nice day. So Ted calls me. He's like, man, I lost a spot. Uh, he goes, I'm thinking about going up north. And I said to him, I said, you know, to be honest with you, this could be more of a, uh, you know, enforce it till it cools off kind of a deal, you know. And, and in that area of uh, Rhinecliff, I do law enforcement myself. So I'm trying to put this together on where, where this is really going to, the head but I do know you know guys are getting tickets so Ted finds a new place and he's just showing these big cows that he's catching and I'm like I'm still catching nothing catching tons of herring um, even one day a guy comes in in front of me in a boat probably 100, 100 yards out Boom, catches striper. He keeps it, so he moves on. He's done for the day. Ted calls me, says, yo, man, this is a great spot. Um, you should come down and fish with me. I look it up with my Navionics uh, app, and ironically, I didn't even know that. I, Navionics has a thing where they mark with a little red fish, and it says... Uh, Fishing hotspot. I think that's exactly what it says. And it was also a diving hotspot. So I was like, you know what, man? I'm, I'm going to head down there. So I head down on a Saturday. We have herring. Within 10 minutes, I have two runs. <laughs> I'm like, today's the day. I was like, this is great. You know, uh, what... He said there was some structure, um, and he knew about a big rock. The first striper, it took me, and I could feel it. You know, if you've been hung up on stuff, it gets that like it's like it, it's like the line bounces. Um, the fish hung me up, and I I was fighting with it, and I was reeling, but I could tell I was hung up on something, and finally the fish it it got off. 
Same deal with the second deal. Um, quick hit. Starts taking the line. Finally, it stops. I go to reel in and uh, just nothing. I bring in my bait. It was it was hammered. It was dead. The herring was dead. So, but I'm excited, man. I'm thinking, you know, I planned on staying all day. And I'm like, this is the first 10 minutes. We're not even at low tide. And that's the thing, too. Ted was like, whatever it is, he's he caught all his all these fish during low tide. So I'm excited, man. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. We have the bait. We have runs already, which right there, even if I got nothing the rest of the day, it's more than I've had all season long. So, uh, but lo and behold, 10 o'clock, if any of you are familiar with railroad tracks, I can hear a vehicle coming and I, I can hear the from the, the rocks. I turn around and lo and behold, <laughs> it's a state trooper and I'm like, oh man. This this isn't good. Um, he gets out of the car. Hey guys, uh, you guys know you're trespassing, right? And I said, oh, you know, I, I you know, I didn't, there <laughs> there was like an area. DC does have a parking area, so you, this part of the tracks is different from where we were in Rhinecliff, where you'd have to be on the right side of the tracks and cross all your stuff over to the river by foot and that's what kind of makes it dangerous um, but this part had a place where you could drive across DC actually had a parking area but when you went to the left there's a little area where they had like snow fence and uh, you could see where they were growing new grass so it said posted it was literally like a posted sign like a beware of dog sign like one of those black ones with the orange lettering and Something like you buy at Home Depot. So I started wondering. I'm like, you know, because on the other side of the river, people own up to the river private property. So I was like, well, it's a posted sign. Um, and the way it was facing, it was onto this where, like, it was fresh grass. I kind of knew I could be trespassing. And what, what happened way down the river, um, many miles in a different town, you know, they're probably they're on I they're on it because of the, what happened. Um, I told me I said I said I did see the posted sign. I explained that area, and he kind of was like, "Yeah, I know what you're talking about." Um, but he goes, you know, from here on out, he goes, you know, can't fish. So he's like, "You have your licenses." I am never cocky, um, but. I did pull out my wallet, which I have a badge in it. I have my fishing license on my phone through New York State has a uh, a phone app. So I'm getting my thing. He goes over, gets my buddy Teddy's ID, fishing license, and he comes back to me, young young trooper. Um. And he's looking. He goes, "What do you got there? What, what what badge you got?" And I said, "I work for the state. You know, I'm peace officer. I do law enforcement for." Because he asked me, he goes, "What's what's this agency?" And I told him. Uh, so right away he just hands me my buddy stuff, and he goes, "All right." He goes, "You know, you guys are gonna have to leave." He goes, "My my partner's up there. We're giving tickets out like crazy." 
Um, just tell your friends not to come down or they're going to get ticketed. And he was really cool about it. Um, so I was able to get out and out of there without any issues. <laughs> it's a bummer. Ted was right. A great spot. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not going to be able to fish there anymore. So I go back to my spot and once again now there's there's tons of striper action I can see it and it's outward as boat was and that's where like the channel is like uh you see a lot of the barges go by uh and I'm just thinking man I think my spot sucks I, you know, I think I have to be more out towards the channel. Um, a buddy of mine, he, he he fished pretty close to me. He's very successful. But when I think about where he is in relation to the channel, it's it's kind of uh, I'm I'm in. I lose probably a hundred yards to that channel. So I'm like, ah. Uh, I think the spot's just not great, you know. So now I'm just – and now we're talking about next year. They're talking about these new striper regs where they're going to have two waves of where they shut down the striper fishing and you will not be able to catch them and target them. So it's going to be interesting, especially this week. Uh, everybody knows the water's warming up. It's 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 winding down. And this one guy's like, yeah, great night. You know, they're still here. And I'm just going to really enjoy this because knowing the new regs, you know, this might be it for all of us. <laughs> I'm just like, I have not even landed one of these things, and we have a great fishery, but we want to keep it that way. So I, I get it. You know, you got to go with, with the numbers, and but a lot of guys, you know, they're like, you know, best year I've had in years, and I get it, but unfortunately, you know, during the hot time of the season, we might not be able to fish. So. It's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. I'll, me and my wife are probably going to go to the Cape this year. I'm going to try some shore fishing. Uh, if I have to, next year I talked to a guy. I think I talked about on the podcast. He, he chases the striper, so he'll chase him from the river out to the uh, Long Island Sound, and he'll, he'll target him out there, and there's pretty much no regs, I don't think, out once you get into the ocean on, as far as um, – shutting fishing down but uh another thing you know I've, I've talked about this in the past um pay attention to sportsman alliance uh, i saw another post the other day um couple states they're going after dog barking now think about this <laughs> you're a coon hunter mountain lion hunter you rabbit hunt with your beagles that bay. If they pass these laws, yeah. Kind of puts a damper on using a dog for hunting. Um, these bills have been put forward. I, I sign, you know, like I, I pay attention to this stuff. I, I'll sign petitions. Um, where I'm at, unfortunately, you know, I'm trying to help guys out in other states. Because they weren't from New York. Um, 
But unfortunately, you know, the senators where I'm at are very liberal. And I feel that my vote and my letter that goes to them is just, it's fallen on deaf ears for the most part. Um, you always get the thank you for reaching out letter back from auto-generated, whatever it is. But um, it's just kind of sad. So, uh, guys, pay attention to it. You know, I think I said it last podcast, you know, uh, listen to Callahan on the meat eater. You know, you try not to be political, you know. I stopped watching the news because just politics and what's going on in the world just drives me nuts. But uh, pay attention to Sportsman Alliance because if you go on their website or their mobile app, um, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. I've talked about this. I'm going to keep talking about it. it I'm going to talk about it more and more. Because um, just the other day, I talked about this on my Get the Let Out podcast um, where New York State is going to be banning using lead ammunition on uh, state property. Not a big deal. You know, we know you go to steal or whatever, um, but it, it makes it more expensive for sure. And, uh, could, you know, could, you know, deter people from wanting to hunt? Because, you know, it's so expensive to begin with. Um, you know, what happens when you can't, you know, you can't do it anymore. And, and getting ammo, as we all know, is it's, it's not easy to get that stuff. I've been looking for, you know, slugs. For deer hunting, and you know, we're talking when I was looking eight months before season, and there's nothing. Um, but going back to the lead, uh, this is New York where I'm at, and somebody just introduced a bill for a national level for a complete ban on lead ammunition. So it's going to get interesting. Uh, for sure. Um, it's a bummer. I, I've i said, you know, I switched over to uh, steel shot years ago, and I even use it for turkey hunting. Um, it's four shot, uh, high speed steel. And uh, I bought a ton of it years ago, too, because it was during the Obama administration where people were just stocking up. And I've been using this shot for years, um, duck hunting. Like I said, now I use a turkey hunt. I still have some turkey shot left, um, but you know you're better off. You know you don't want to be hassled. So, but it's just death by a thousand cuts, guys. You know, like the dog thing. It just goes to show you little stupid things that. You know, you'd be thinking, well, you know, that probably has to do when you're in the, in the suburbs and, you know, the neighbor doesn't want your dog barking. But if it's a statewide thing, it moves into the woods. Uh, maybe you have a piece of land that's close to people's houses and they don't want to hear your dogs. They utilize that law and uh, you're, you're, you're screwed. So really, it's bumming me out. The wolves, that came up again. They're, you know, they're gaining, you know, speed with that. But, um, just, it's, it's kind of sad, man. You know, 
And even when I was on that Striper website, you know, or not well, Facebook page, you know, just I've talked about this stupid haters, man. It's like ridiculous some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths. Like people were saying how this lady who got killed, you know, she just ruined it for the fishermen, you know. It's like and when all this was going on, it was Mother's Day weekend to say something like that, it's like how ignorant, man. And like you get some anti hunter gets a hold of this or takes a screenshot of this and says, This is what we're dealing with, you know. Doesn't look good, man. Um this guy for sure is not gonna be the poster child for hunting. You know, thank God we have people like Stephen Rinellas and the, the Callahans and um, just that they really represent us well and uh, you know hopefully we'll have hunting and fishing for a long time moving forward but as my mother would say thank God I'm close you know I don't want to wish my life away but thank God I'm closer to going out to coming in because it doesn't look good um, sometimes you wonder that I heard, I heard something the other day <laughs> Like baffled, we would have to use circle hooks for a striper. And the guy was, oh yeah, I lost so many. I just switched over to treble. <laughs> like, you know, it was in a group of people. You know, I overheard this, and I'm like, oh my god, man, <laughs> it's like we are in trouble for sure. But uh, you just got to keep positive, man. Do the right thing. That's what I'm saying. You know, do the law-abiding thing. Um, and hopefully we'll have this, you know, for generations to come. But I'll be getting the kayak video going soon here. Uh, been eyeballing where I'm putting my my little live well for my bait. Uh, trying to come up with the concept because, like I said, once I cut this hole in my brand new kayak, there's no turning back. Um, but yeah, another thing, you know, I'm gonna do a, a quick video on uh, leashes for the kayak. Uh, I'm part of a kayak Facebook page as well, and uh, you know, being that we're in the Northeast, the Adirondacks, April's really cold, man. You know, uh, the waters are chill. You're getting a lot of the snow runoff. Uh, I saw a couple posts where people feared that they. One guy said he's going to stop kayaking. Um, you dropped his fishing pole. And we've all done this, you know, even with knives. You, your first reaction is to go grab it. And uh, he's a bigger guy. He's over 250. Um, he, he flipped into the water. And uh, he said he couldn't get back on the kayak. He got it flipped over but was struggling to get back in it. Now, because of the cold water, yeah, starts cramping up, can't move. Luckily, he said a couple boaters, they saw him, and they, they came over and got him. <laughs> but he said he's, he thinks he's done kayaking. I saw a couple of uh, videos where guys went into the water. They had they got back in, but they they said, you know, if they were in, the, in that water for any amount of time or they got separated from the kayak, it, and thank God for their life vest, you know, because in New York State, we have a law that you have to wear a life vest into May. Um, so that's a law. Because of that reason, because of the cold waters and flipping over and stuff like that. So, you know, be safe out there. I, I myself, just because I don't want to lose a rod, I have leashes on my rod to the kayak. Um, 
because you know when you're in a confined space like that it's easy for stuff just to be in the water for sure everything i have like my uh my pliers a lot of my stuff is is leashed off where i i won't lose it so well guys i'm gonna uh wrap it up here uh thanks for joining me it's much appreciated uh we'll catch you on the next one and by the way i wanted to give a shout out um Burnett, Texas. Winnipeg, Canada. Thanks for checking in, guys. And uh, if you're new, you, I see you on the analytics, I'll give you a quick shout-out. This episode of Appalachian Timber Ghost Outdoor Adventures was brought to you by Wild Kingdom Soap. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Thank <laughs> you.